0: Blood Talk Radio
1: Tonight, we'll go back in time to seasons pass, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory to 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron grids. Welcome to gridiron grids. Football history, that's my love The gridiron grids publishing and broadcasting network in conjunction with slick enterprises. We're live from the Southport, North Carolina home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Slick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history of memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150 plus years of football history of memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, the senior contributing writer of the Gridiron Greats Magazine, a Football, memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. To his, from Portland Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this evening.
0: Bob, I'm happy to be back seems like it's been a couple weeks. I don't really track when we do shows, but it's just uh, like talking to an old friend. You pick up the phone you're like, oh my gosh, it
1: seems like it's been forever. (laughs) It's been uh, a few weeks and both of our schedules have been pretty much jammed up one way or the other. So we're back and we're going to have quite a few shows this month. Um, And I know you're venturing out for uh, a travel trip and hopefully i'll have jeff back in uh jeff Payne as a guest co-host and a cup and a couple other um possibilities as far as guests are concerned so we'll keep everybody posted uh as we go along anyways let's get started and i'll hand off to you first as i've mentioned before christmas
0: come early the uh Latest volume 22, number 81 of Gridiron Greats, was in uh, my mailbox. The old Swick Enterprise, an Oculus white envelope that we've all grown to love. And uh, a, a great, man, a packed, uh, you, know, uh, you know, magazine this go-around. I mean, I was just looking. I started reading it, and I generally start off with your, you know, uh, you know uh, editor's page, which I always really enjoy. Uh, just your insight. Uh, this one is written before the national, which we'll talk about. But uh, just just listen to this. I mean, the contents. If you're if, if you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats, what the hell are you waiting for? I mean, that's more more true to form than in this episode than any. Uh, uh, Martin Jacobs talking about Bud Grant, Harv Aronson talking about Terry Bradshaw. Uh, a really good article about the home uh, home of the birthplace of professional football, uh, behind the table. Another one from John Spano, uh, the, uh, Green Bay Packer, uh, Scott Klein coming in super collector before, I believe we've uh, had him on the show. Ken Riley, by Jared Krause slaying the mainstream months, which is a really, really good article, by Jeff Payne loved that one. Uh, pro sets. And, uh, you know, talking about the pro set gridiron grill, my article I was talking about. And, uh, I wanted to focus on the cover. Uh, The cover is uh, obviously the, uh, if if you haven't gotten it yet, it, it, it has nine cards adorning the 1989 Pro Set. It's got Mike Ditka, the back of the John Elway card, the Bo Jackson card, the Montana card, Bradshaw, Barry Sanders, Dan Fouts, the Lombardi Trophy, and then William Perry as I'm looking at this, I love that set. It's a good-looking set. I love the green and red borders, uh, you know, uh, you know, et cetera. And the first thing I noticed was that there is no Steve Largent card from the 89 Pro set on the cover, Bob. <laughs> How does something like this slip by the so-called, I'm using air quotes here, publishers of Gridiron Greats? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give Bob some some, uh, some latitude here, Bo Jackson, John Elway, Joe Montana, Barry Sanders, Dan Fouts, Terry Bradshaw, uh, the, the Lombardi Trophy in the middle. And I'm like, that's chock full of Hall of Famers. That's a, that's a good skew of people. And then I'm like, well, hold on. All right. Mike Ditka and William the Refrigerator Perry. Kind of a weird choice to go over Steve Largent's 89 pro set, I mean, which is a really good-looking card. I'm like, all right, well, Ditka, obviously coach Hall of Fame, or not Hall of Fame, but the Super Bowl winner, 85 Bears, one of the best teams ever, defensive team. I'm one of the better coaches. So, okay, William, the refrigerator Perry. When did he go into the Hall of Fame, Bob?
1: Well, when did he retire from the league? Okay. To to try to give our, our listeners some background, when we when we designed the cover, Jared and I spend a lot of time talking about what we want to do. Oh. And um this cover basically was a tip of the hat to the Chicago Bear Crowd, who we saw a lot of at the National. And I figured, um Perry is a folk hero in Chicago, any way you wanna look at Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, he's he's never forgotten. Dick is Dicka. Uh, a lot of people say I look like him, which I really don't, but I guess I do in a way. And I wanted to lead off with uh, a couple beers in that mix. And we did. And honestly, Jared and I did mention the large, uh factor. And I I I had final you know I had final veto over it, and I and I basically vetoed it because I wanted to get Perry in and I wanted to get Dicka in. So and I knew I was going to get feedback from you one way or the other. So, but I had to I had to make an executive decision, um, because of the crowd and because of the I don't know what their attendance was a couple of million people I guess whatever it came up to be. Um, we went more with the Chicago slant than we did with the uh, Seahawks gotcha. slant, and enlarge it and hold that thought because as I, as I. As I give my review, I, I got to mention something to you, which uh, just popped in my head about the about the uh, convention. But anyways, that's that's why uh, 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 your man was was not in the front cover. Let, so.
0: let's get back to the uh, to the review of the of this Gridiron Grace. I'll I'll text Jared a little later and admonish him <laughs> for not reminding you of the importance of a margin. Uh Jeff Payne's article. I love it when he broke down by set name uh, how many cards he was after. I mean, that, it was a really interesting way to look at it. Uh, it, was, it was just kind of cool. Uh, the Chickles, the Sports King. it was just uh, it was such an interesting way. And I, I knew that was a monster, and he calls it the monster. And it was kind of cool. Uh, and I've heard we've had Jeff on, this, on the show as both a, a guest and a co-host. And we, I think we know his story about collecting quite a bit. It was also really cool, his Q&A in the back, where he talks about how he got back into it, completing it, going after big cards, uh, you know, the the Mayos, the, you know, et cetera. It was, uh, it was kind of cool. It was just a, a a little bit, shined a light a little bit more on, uh, you know, how people collect, and how they go about tackling something like this. I really enjoyed that article.
1: Uh, and I think his article yeah. his article really expressed to me, uh, something I went through, you know, over a period of roughly, you know, what amounted to being forty plus years of putting yeah. together my run actively, not knowing that I was creating a run back in the sixties and seventies when I was buying packs. Uh, but you know, I really, I, I really enjoyed his story because a lot of it was very familiar to me. Obviously, my run um, does not um you know has some similarities to his run um but mine again focuses just you know the main mainstream 48 to 88 and then 89 up i just did the tops run for 2015. but you're right i mean it did bring it did bring to light everybody's collecting story is very different and can you imagine how difficult it is today if you want to build that run or my run in raw condition and that's the part that scares me now You know what I mean? So, um, but again, his story was very similar to a lot of other people's stories. Um, Obviously not to that degree, but, you know, somebody said I put together all the top card sets from 1960 to 1989 or whatever it may have been. You'd share a lot of those similar experiences. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And
0: uh, back on page 44, uh, publisher Bob Swick reviews Bears versus Cardinals by Joe uh, Zamba, who we had on the show. That's the book I started reading. Really, really good book, and I loved your review of it, Bob. Uh, I finished that up from the last uh, time we had him on the show, and it just I, I learned a lot about uh, you know Hallis and just that relationship between Hallis. And the other owners and Hollis and the players. I mean, it was just—it was a, yeah, it was a really, really good book. I mean, even the the mafia, like you, like you mentioned in your review. But, uh,
1: yeah, it was a, it was an excellent book. I really um, I really enjoyed it, and uh, Joe did a great job on it. I'm very thankful we had him on the show to talk about it. And uh, again, um, excellent history of. Uh, early Chicago football, ex- excellent history of the Cardinals themselves. Um, great, just a, a great book all, all around. But hmm. well,
0: behind the table by John Spano, something I always enjoy. Uh, just you know, as a buyer, I've never sat up at the show other than uh, you know, kind of watching the table while you know you run to get something to eat or something. I've had fun, you know, manning that table with you, but this it, it's. It's really cool to just his insight and just uh, you know what what people are thinking. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just the dealer mentality. It's kind of cool. I enjoy right, those articles. Right, right. What is that? His second or third that he's written?
1: I think Some it's the third. Kind of third. Yeah. I think it's the third. Yeah, I gotta I gotta double check because he had the uh, he had the one on no um, yeah, I think it's the third one. I have to double check off the top of my head. Yeah, but it was a good. It was, it was a, to me, it was a, a, a good issue for the national, and it was a good yep. issue um, that was featured, believe it or not, at the Professional Football Researchers Association in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where all the attendees who uh, went to that uh, convention did receive their own copy of Good Iron, Grace magazine, and I know several of them are subscribers already, but they did. Uh, I already heard back from several people from the convention who have signed up as new subscribers. They enjoyed the magazine, so that was good um, i I want to spend a little time talking about the national um, because again, this is probably uh-huh. i don 't know my fourteenth my or fifteenth national uh, that i 've actually set up at or you know um, with other guys so on and so forth. And by far and wide, I will just lead off by saying I have never seen more people in my life at a national. I have never seen more tables at a national. Um, You know how the convention hall is there. Every conceivable room in that convention hall was open and had tables in it to the extent that apparently there was about 600,000 square feet of tables there at the show. Wow. And there were all sorts of separate rooms that I never saw. I never even knew existed there that were open with uh, tables of vendors, corporate sponsors, and the ultimate box breaking uh, tables, which are very, very prevalent today at a show and more so at the National. And I, I was just... I, I was kind of, you know, again, I, caught, I, I said this several times during the show. I'm still a dinosaur in the hobby, but I really have never seen anything like I saw this past show in the sheer volume of people, sheer volume yeah. of, of uh, uh, people going through the show. All, the, the, the constant statement I heard from a lot of people that actually swung by to my table was this is way too overwhelming for me. I don't know where to go first. I don't know what to do. I, I oh, have never experienced anything like this. And then I heard from the people who were only there one day, I am not going to even be able to get through one-third of the show with a one-day pass, let alone see everything that I want to see here. So it, it was, you know, to me in a way, it was it was great for the hobby in a way, but at the same time I really wonder how many people might have been disappointed when they got there and they're saying, Hey, I, I did not even know where to go first and I suggested to a couple of collectors there who who did step by the table, I say, just try to get to the vendors if you're looking to buy merchandise. Don't worry about the box breaking people. Don't worry about the you know, the Panini and the fanatics and those people. You know, try to just get to the tables where you're looking for cards or magazines or programs, or whatever you're looking for. Totally. And try to totally. pick up what you're you know what you're looking for there. So, um, but again, I I kiddingly stated, I think next year I'm just going to have backpacks and card carrying cases for sale. I think I'll do much better, um, you know, by selling those rather than anything related to sports. Interesting. How, how'd grade. you do uh how'd you do for new subscribers to Gridiron Greats? I mean we're we most you I wait a thirty day period. Uh we really pushed out a, a a lot of copies at the show. Um besides myself, uh the Gridiron Great subscriber collectors connection was handing them out at his booth with his new um people uh-huh. who were signing up for his mailing list and so on and so forth. So we we basically, I came home with no extra copies. I basically gave out all the copies I brought with me, which was uh, close to 300. And I know Scott at uh, Collector's Connection gave out all the ones he had. So we really pushed out a ton of, um, of copies, much more than normal at a national. Because again, I'm not going to give them to a hockey collector or basketball collector, so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah. I'm focusing on people, obviously, who collect football. And I and I, and there are people who are very nice to me and say, listen, I only collect hockey, I only collect basketball, or whatever. I'm not interested in it. That's fine. I I, I appreciate them saying it. But for the people, you know, I could tell you know, I I had a gut feeling I would get a football jersey on or whatever. You know, those are the people I focused on. So we, we gave out a lot yeah. and uh it it takes me thirty days to read how many new subscribers we got. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised from the PFRA convention already hearing back from a few people who want to subscribe, so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, It was a much more active crowd than in Atlantic City uh, last uh, year. This year was much more active. It was much more of a buying crowd. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but there is a strong element of the hobby now that is just totally graded material. And it's all yep. basketball graded, and uh, it's a, you're not gonna ch- you're not gonna change, you're not gonna shake it, until the bubble hits on the new stuff, and uh, individuals get you know either get burnt by buying a thousand dollar card that's now only worth a hundred dollars, <laughs> and or getting burnt yep. by you know a superstar player who never never you know stepped on the court uh, ends up being a big bust and they lost all their money on on the card type of thing. So uh, that, I think, is still ready to happen at some point. I don't know when or where or how. But at the same time, I think the market for vintage is red hot, especially for graded vintage. But there was still a good element of guys out there trying to find raw material to finish their sets, so on and so forth. And the one thing that really surprised me was how many people were looking for oddball football. And um, I uh, insert an oddball football. And I did have some, and uh, I had a bunch of guys email me. I told them, just send me your want list, and I'll go through it here at home. Because I did not bring, you know, I brought maybe 20% of what I had as far as oddball is concerned. Uh, I could have, you know, there's no way I could take everything, type of situation. So I thought that market is starting to look very, very good again. Uh, which I think is good for the football collecting hobby. Yeah. Now you, uh, you
0: and the, the... in
1: our our football
0: tech thread, a lot of people had mentioned, you know, people walking around with you know uh, you know otter cases and stuff like that that uh, you know just are filled with their modern Chinese stuff that they were trying to sell and or trade for. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. Right. Seems I I completely agree with you. It seems like that is. What is popular until it becomes unpopular? You know, by that it's you know the bottom falling out of that market.
1: Yeah, I think at some point it's going to correct itself, and it's going to be a a, a pretty major correction. Uh, because again, I, I, I you know again, I'm I'm a dinosaur. I'm shocked seeing probably a guy in his early twenties. Uh, open up his backpack and take out $10,000 cash and start counting it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I just, it, I mean, it just blows my mind to see this kind of stuff. So I'm seeing it with my own eyes. I'm seeing it again like I saw it in Atlantic City. Uh, I just find it amazing. So uh, is it good or bad for the hobby? Well, many dealers love it because they're making money off of it. Uh, and other dealers are a little more cautious by saying, you know, that might be a little too great speculation taking place in the market, and it might not be good in the long run. But again, over the past 20 years, actually 30 years now, there have been so many bubbles in the card market, it's not even funny. So uh, to me, there's just going to be another bubble that's going to happen, and, you know, the hobby will survive from it and and just go from there to the next one. My bigger concern right now is Fanatic's buying up everything. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the greatest thing for the hobby right now. Um, They're talking about, and I heard a lot of, um, not rumblings, but talk about, they're going to start their own shows. Um, And I think they're going to gear it more, they're going to probably gear it more toward the box break crowd and or the younger crowd, the graded crowd, uh, rather than vintage collectors like you and I, and that's fine, um, you know. But like a couple longtime collectors who, who I talked to said, they feel more comfortable in the smaller regional show um, trying to find stuff than they are now at the national, because the national has just become way too big for them to even yeah. navigate. And you got to be there five days to try to try to get around and, and uh, see everything. That's that's the reality yeah. of the situation. I never I needed to set up on Wednesday uh, huh. because of all the flight issues I had there. Uh, so I basically had to pack it in on Wednesday. So I didn't set up until Thursday. So I was only there Thursday, oh, wow. Friday, Saturday, and I came, came home on Sunday. Um, and I guess I heard on Sunday it was, it was a pretty big crowd again. Uh, so it's interesting. I stayed in Atlantic City last year on Sunday. It was better than a doornail. This time I come home and it was busier than anything. So uh but I had a, I had a I had a good time in the three days. And and again for me now it's it's more seeing people I haven't seen all year, uh, talking to them and getting caught up. Yep. And uh that that's the fun of the show for me now. Um yeah, we yeah, have separate lot. from any stuff any material or any subscriptions or anything like that. So it was yeah, it was pretty interesting. Now you're gonna you're gonna mention a few things about r e a auctions I, I had the pleasure of talking to Brian Dwyer who owns yeah. um r e a auctions at the show <laughs> actually before the show on um, two days and uh in on what you what you saw there
0: well they uh did a really good job they opened their auction like the day of the national starting out uh
1: Right. And it's some really
0: good football in there. Uh, Joe Montana, rookie 10, some good unopened, uh, 65 tops, tall boy, wax pack, uh, you know, uh, steel by GAI. Um, not sure how good it looks. It's got a tear in the wrapper and the back flap looks a little open, but, um, tremendous amount of unopened from 78, 79, 81, 84, 87. I mean, just really good stuff, uh. Just another good, uh, you know, good auction with some good football in there. Uh, they're doing a really good job with their, you know, they used to do one big auction, and when Brian bought it, uh, you know, he started going to, uh, you know, two, and then four. And now, you know, that now he runs small ones. He's got the, the quarterly ones that are larger and then the small ones that are kind of eBay-esque in between. It's just good to see them joining that fray. Just. Another good auction. I think Brian is such a classy operator of REA. He does a great job. We've uh, we've been lucky to have yeah, I, quite a few auction house owners on our show.
1: He um, he he definitely is uh, light years ahead of his competitors in my opinion. He does uh-huh. a great job with the auction, and um, I, I'm. I, I was glad to. So, I, I actually got some time to talk to him before the show and, and get filled in on some hobby happenings and so on and so forth. So that was that was very interesting. But that that's going to be a good auction, uh, one way or the other. You know, the the other comment I got to make is, you know, at one time there was only a handful of the of the big the big auction houses in the market. Now there's so many different auction houses. Um, You know, you're on overload in a lot of cases just trying to check out who has what, you know, what auctions, so on and so forth. And in a way, I kind of miss the, you know, twice a year uh, big auction, you know, where you're going to see some premier stuff, you look forward to it, so on and so forth. And, 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 you know, again, some people could have real auction burnout and, you know, again, just not have the funds to try to keep up with everything. And, you know, for the sake of just bidding on something that may not fit their collection or whatever, they they, they bid on it and and then they, they uh, what's the word I'm trying to use, they have regret um, when a, another auction comes up where there's something they really need in it and then, you know, the funds are not available, whatever the case might be. So it's, it's pretty much uh, a, a very, very overwhelming amount of material in the market. Yeah. And it's... You know, you get there's so much stuff out there. It's just it's just amazing. <laughs> it seems like every attic in America has been emptied of sports memorabilia, and it's out there, one way or the other. So um, it, it just it just boggles my mind sometimes looking at it and, and, and seeing that. And again, if you had gone to this show, Joe, I think you would have you would have just been amazed to see what a difference it was since the last uh Chicago National you were at. Uh, truly, truly different, different vibe and uh just an enormous amount of people. An enormous amount of yeah. people. They also had some sort of trade night there. And uh apparently I guess uh, the younger set set up with their cases and their graded cards. Oh. And I, I heard I heard that was pretty successful when people were trading uh, their stuff, so on and so forth. So, uh, but again, I was inundated. Do you buy? Do you buy? You want to trade? You want to buy? And I, I should have just put up a sign. Um, I do not deal with graded cards, and that would have saved a lot of people the time just even asking me about the stuff. So, just
0: set up with no. I don't have any modern stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't have any modern stuff, and no, I don't have any graded cards. So uh, it is what it is. I'm actually doing the show Saturday and Sunday in Wilmington, North Carolina here, my Mm -hmm. normal show that I do. So it should be interesting. Um, Even though they're back-to-back, the gentleman who's putting the show on has been asked numerous times to run the Wilmington show on a Sunday because a lot of guys work on Saturday. They can't get to the show. So it should be interesting to see what kind of crowds we get on Saturday and Sunday. So he runs a nice little show, and he told me already it's uh, sold out. There's 67 tables and dealers there, so it's going to be packed. I mean, I know the hall. It's a big American Legion hall in Wilmington, downtown Wilmington. And, man, uh, there's going to be a lot of people there. I can, I can sense it already. So uh, I, got, I got a lot of stuff that's going to be going into the RAV over on Friday night, and I'll be up there. So we'll see what happens.
0: And I am uh, hoping no no weddings get in my way. No, yeah my my wife and I just hooked up too many trips this year. And I, you know, we had a wedding to go to and sisters on Friday, the day of the auction. Yeah, it's just a tough one. Um, next year in Cleveland. The year after that in Atlantic City. Cleveland's okay. I found that to be a good venue. Hotels were pretty far apart. Uh, you right. know, pretty far away from the convention center. I mean, it, it's almost better to rent a car and be able because you and I remember we had a dinner with a bunch of football collectors and you know uh, you know uh, the B.S.T. boys. I mean, it was a thirty-minute yeah. you know uh, you know uh, Uber ride out there when we shared it. It was uh, right, right. So that was the, the closest dinner place. It's so. I mean, I I, I liked Cleveland. I mean, I, I have to say Baltimore was probably my favorite national, but we all know it probably won't go back there just because of uh, you know financials. Oh well. Oh well. All right.
1: All right. Yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore will never happen. Um, I'm wondering who what they ended up voting on because it's going to be either Chicago all three years after next year, Chicago, Atlantic City, Chicago, or Chicago, Atlanta, Chicago. And I heard some um, not great reviews of Atlanta uh because of, the, of where it's located and again it's going to be another situation i don't think they're they have the room to be honest with you to handle everything atlantic city made the bill oh, wow. that they will give a thousand dollar uh dealer credit of some sort if they have it in atlantic city that'll be interesting to see if that pans through my gut feeling they voted and they probably voted for sh- to keep it in chicago every year uh, and if that's the case, that's the case. That, that's it. I mean, to me, it's it's way, way, way big. And um, people are going to, if they're going to go, they're going to have to really plan how they're going to go and how many days they're going to spend and have a better plan of action of what they're going to look at, so on and so forth, uh, so they're not yes. disappointed. But again, reading, reading all the articles about it, I mean, it was all, you know, um, wine and roses there, for everybody, and, uh, you know, this is the greatest show ever occurring. But uh, I've, I've been to some good nationals in my time. I've been to good, some great regional shows in my time. And, you know, every every show has its, has its uh, good points and has some negative points, and that's it. So uh, I still like Baltimore. Baltimore, the two nationals there were great. Um, yep. Nice it. location. Easy to get around downtown. Plenty of places to eat. Plenty of the hotels right around the convention center. Uh, Atlantic City. To me, this was my. Um, I think it was my second or third. I know I didn't set up when the last time. The first time I was in Atlantic City, I never set up there. I think I did go for the day, um, and then I set up at the last two. Um, to me, logistically, it's just it's just a pain in the neck to set up there, and it's it's a rough. It's a rough place to do business. So it's not, uh, not conducive to, to me being happy growth. Chicago, Chicago. Yeah. I did like Cleveland with the exception, like you said, you got to, you know, last time I did Cleveland, I stayed downtown Cleveland and had to have an Uber ride every day to get in. So that was an additional expense. And, uh, but I learned my lesson the first time. I stayed near the convention center at a small hotel. And there was absolutely nothing around me. There were no restaurants or anything like that. So that, that, that becomes difficult to, to deal with also. So this time in Cleveland, yeah. if I go, I'm probably going to drive and be, I'm going to still stay downtown Cleveland uh, because there's much, you know, more restaurants, more activities, so on and so forth. So yeah, we heard uh, that.
0: Al Crisofoli with Love of the Game was on the show. He talked about how rotating it around – Frequently, or going to new places, like he said, uh, you know, when the Atlantic City show was one of the best he ever had, because it had been right. 20 right. years since the show had been in A.C. You know, the dealers are there to, uh, uh, you know, to for consignments to walk in the door, and he's like, if no one's seen a show and you think you have some valuable cards, you know, and you haven't seen a show in 20 years, and then you walk in and you have a chance to sell your, your you know, your uh, your personal collection, your PC. Uh, right, he mentioned, right. yeah, like I said, AC was one of the big, biggest, best shows he's had. Uh, Chicago yep. is there so often. He mentioned, you know, it's saturated. The market's saturated there. Anybody who's had a collection to sell has already been into the national and probably already sold it. Uh, so Atlanta
1: would right. probably be a really good show for dealers uh, consignment-wise. Right, right. But, again, then you, get, then you get the argument that dealers are there to sell, they have a tough time selling because everybody's trying to, you know, trying to sell their collections. So, you know, it sometimes works in the opposite way. That's why I still like regional shows like Chantilly. Uh, There's a big show in Raleigh here in North Carolina, which I got to, I'm going to attend and and think about setting up. I set up in a show in South Carolina um, last year, a real small hotel show. Uh, Actually one of our subscribers uh, puts it on and I uh, went, went there. But for me, logistically, i got to stay overnight. Um, you know, it's a 10-hour round trip for me. It, it, you know, it's just... Uh, I'm not excited about that anymore. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, unless it's a two-, three-day event type of thing, it's not really worth it for me to do those types of shows. Those days are over for me um, as far as wanting to do something like that. So it's interesting to see... All the different shows, and I do make the comment on Nashville uh has that big show now, and they're they're calling it the Southern National uh I Ooh. definitely have to get there to see see what's going on there because uh, I've heard all sorts of stuff on how nice that show is and, and uh, a lot of dealers uh a lot of individuals um you know a lot of great memorability we don't see at other shows, so um that's something that has to be taken into consideration too. Yeah um, what that's what an incredibly very, very, cool city too. I, I what I what I just find amazing to me, um New England, Connecticut, Massachusetts I've done shows in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and New York. And the um the vibe up there is just so dramatically different than the vibe down here, um, as far as collectors being much more patient. Um, that's so oh. aggressive as, as, as far as trying to negotiate with you. Um, uh, you know, you know, the simple please and thank yous that I hear down here are just very, very interesting to me compared to, uh, New England shows. So, um, uh, it, it's, but, it's yeah, a different, say
0: you're, you're saying people in the South are a lot more, uh, say that again, clarify that.
1: So, so basically the people in the South here are much more pleasant at a show yeah. they're much more polite and um they're not as hard pressed to you know you have a card for a hundred dollars. I'm only going to give you fifty bucks that's it and you know that type of situation so um it's it's interesting to see how different parts of the country uh act at a show like dispatch national. Uh, I really didn't have any run-ins with anybody per se as far as, you know, what I had to offer, you know, what mm-hmm. I was selling it for, so on and so forth. You know, I I, I gave fair price and, you know, people who bought from me were, were pleased, so on and so forth type of thing. But, uh, you know, do, do, do a couple of shows in Connecticut and or in New York and, and you get that, you know, that beat-up mentality almost of, of, you know, I got to come out meaning the customer has to come out uh, victorious with the with what they're paying for or whatever the case may be. So it's very different, very different. It's a nice change of pace for me.
0: Um, so so uh, Cleveland next year, which I will be at and I'll look forward to. Like I said, I'll probably rent a car with a big back seat. Xander was asking, my son Xander was asking about it. He'll be 15-and-a-half we go to that. He's starting to become one of the one of the usuals at our uh, – at our, you know, VFC dinners, uh, yeah, and then uh, Atlantic City. After that, I just I didn't hear good things. I'll probably skip that. Sadly, uh, oh well, you know, it is what it is.
1: Oh, so they did vote. They, they, they did because I haven't heard anything. It's going to be. It should be Cleveland, then Chicago, and then it's going to be Atlantic City, Chicago. You're looking at it now. I no, I'm
0: not. I was just going off of what uh, okay. I was told. It was it was uh, Cleveland, AC, and then it was going to be Chicago from pretty much that point out. I don't think dealers will like okay. that, just because uh, because what yeah. I heard from Al and a couple other dealers where they said, you know, you know the the you know the consignments walking in the door become saturated if you have it too many times in a row like that.
1: Right, right, right. So well, and it's the that would be interesting. Dealers would pay to set up.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. We shall see. So, uh, is good. Auction items, like I said, some good un, uh, some good wax, which I've been really getting into, seven, uh, including a box of seventy four, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, Huggins and Scott ends tonight. Not a not a huge football uh, selection. Heritage is coming up in a in a. Uh, Let's see here in two weeks. And included in there are two Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl rings. One is to an office person, and the other one is from a player that they didn't mention. And that's the first time I've seen them say this is from a player, but that player wants to be anonymous. Uh, And I always thought they put the players' names on the rings, but I zoomed in on that one and didn't have the name.
1: I thought so too. Uh, and again, I don't, you know, I don't know. Um. I don't know how they're going to protect it, one way or the other, because, you know, nope. the ring collectors are pretty narrow, one way or the other, as yeah, far sure. as what they, you know, who they're collecting and so on and so forth. So, so the big question is, well. are you going to go after it? <laughs> <laughs> You you said ring collectors are pretty narrow,
0: and uh, that narrow gap uh, has me on the outside looking in. I do not collect uh, rings, (laughs) even these full Super Bowl rings for my favorite team. But check this out, Captain. The 2013 Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl ring by a player is right now at seventeen thousand, which is twenty thousand four hundred, including the zig. The one for the office. I I believe it. Is at twelve five, which is fifteen thousand. So about a thirty percent premium for a player ring right. versus an added ring, which is
1: pretty interesting. Right. I, that, that's a mistake, a, I would sure. say that's pretty much about right. So that's Sorry. pretty much about right. You know, yeah. you get that kind of gap, yeah. knowing knowing it's not a player, uh, knowing it's just a um, office person type of thing. But anyways. Yeah. Um, but,
0: but I, I, I don't know if, if these rings are so thinly traded. I would imagine there's not a lot of people who collect them. Have, have we ever had a a ring collector on the show? I don't think so. I mean, people. Yeah, do we had Michael Michael Borkin
1: oh, years ago when he was
0: God. he was
1: uh, an active collector and he wrote for Gridiron Greats and um, From what I heard, he got out of the, got completely out of the hobby. So, oh,
0: um,
1: I don't know really it's any better. other ring collectors to be honest with you. But I never really uh, I never really took a liking to them either. So I I don't wear jewelry per se. So I don't yeah. you know, I'm not big on a ring one way or the other. It really doesn't do anything for me. Um yeah. quick story but, though. It, it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, no, I was gonna say, say quick story, story like popped in my mind it just Okay, uh, no, just real while well, it popped in my head, we're talking about Seahawks stuff. There were two guys walking down the aisle um, at the show. They both have large jerseys on.
0: And um,
1: I had, I, I kind of, kind of waved them down as best as I could. And um, one guy, one guy was from the Seattle, Washington area. And then the other guy um, used to live there. And, and he was basically in Illinois now. Uh, but they both said they still like the Seahawks. I mentioned your name. They, they didn't know you. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> uh, they said, uh, they are, they are, they are Large fans and they are a Seattle Seahawk fans. So I said, well, that's very interesting. Those are the, probably the only two guys I saw out of a hundred thousand people that had, uh, Seattle Seahawk jerseys on. I did see a variety of teams that are, uh, represented, but, uh, were, those were the only two, uh, Seahawks guys, <laughs> guys in the convention center. so All right. Go ahead. Right.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, also in that heritage auction are two of your favorite uh, cards, the uh, 2000 playoff contender Tom Brady rookie ticket autograph card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Say that, say that, with, uh, that or three times fast. Which is the non-golden ticket version, so it's the less expensive version. But uh, there's a BGS eight that's at 6500 right now, and uh, and uh, and and another one. Hang on, look, I zoomed in on it on accident, Uh, and then another one that's also a non-autographed one. That's a a, a 8.5 or 10,000. So now's your time, Bob. Two weeks to go. Wow, an 8.5 with a 10 autograph, Tom Brady's autograph is literally illegible. I mean, if you if you put 10 autographs right. in, you would never get it. And what a subjective thing to grade is his autograph because it just looks like crap to begin with. Oh, well, none of my business. I don't collect autographs, so. but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I good I, I And I think, and I think with Brady and Brady's case, he's signed so much stuff over the years. Oh, he really yeah. has nothing that to me is is rare in any way, shape or form. So you really gotta like Brady and or you gotta have pretty big pockets to, to put out money, you know, for those types of autograph cards. Which still are in yeah. demand, obviously, but at the same time I, I don't I, I don't really see, you know, um them appreciating any more than what they are now you know what i mean so um it'll be interesting to see where his stuff plays out down the road and if yep. he's going to be that much in demand in the future so uh we'll, we'll see what happens one way one way or but another with that generally
0: i mean i remember being uh you know like made a guy an offer for uh, you know, for a, 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 his 2000 SP rookie card, right before that undefeated Super Bowl, uh, and his, his stock was rising. And I decided to wait till after the Super Bowl. Would he have an 18-0 record, or would he, you know, lose the, lose the show? And uh, and I I just remember he lost the show, and the card went from you know a $4,000 card to a $3,000 card because, you know, just that, you know, just, you know, that prestige was off. Uh, is there another bump in value? Tom Brady's obviously a first ballot Hall of Fame. He's up there in that pantheon with, you know, Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, you know, Joe Montana, Steve Largent, you know, just first round Hall of Famer. And, yes, I did just slip in right. Steve Largent in that pantheon. Uh, I, I wouldn't be me if I didn't. So, I mean, it's not like there's First. a huge mystery shrouded around will he make it, will he not. I mean, you know. So I, I, I think any Hall of Fame bump has already been established. You know what I mean? So right, you right, might be right. right. There
1: might be nowhere to
0: go but down for his card value. Yeah, yeah you, know, you know,
1: again, Den uh, he can be hyped all he wants, but at the same time, at some point, the market is not going to, you know, continue to uh, absorb $100,000, $200,000 worth of Brady yeah. material, you know, every month. I think. I think at some point yep. they're going to move on to the the, the next hot player so on and yep. so forth. And if Mahomes has a Patrick good season Mahomes. this year, Yep. Yeah, I think he's, his his rookie is going to just skyrocket again, especially if they go to the Super Bowl again. So um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what actually will happen and, and down the road. Um, you know, with with their uh, you know with cards and so with Brady cards and so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see. I saw a nice Brady Bucks jersey uh, autographed in a frame. But again, you know, what's the? You got to be a Brady fan and/or a Bucks fan to enjoy it. And, yeah, uh, totally. You know, you're gonna have to have gotta, sp- gotta spend a pretty penny to, to buy the thing. So, yeah, totally.
0: this is what it no, is. Uh, yep. I, I, Yeah. Yeah. I will uh, hopefully, you know, the the house fire we had 18 months ago, hopefully our house will be done by Christmas or, you know, about mid-December is what we're being told. But now I feel a little scattered. I have some of my collections here at the house we're renting. I have some of my collections at my office in in a concrete vault we have there, and I have some of them in a storage you know, uh, area that we have, uh, you know, our storage place we have in a building. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, and I just, I feel so disorganized with my collection right now. And when you were talking about moving and you're like, man, just the art of packing up is enough for you to vet out certain things. And then the art of unpacking and organizing is another, you know, swing at the bat, you know, for organizing and getting rid of stuff. And I get the feeling. Right. Uh, you know, like I was working on set runs for a while, ungraded set runs and binders and stuff like that, and I really enjoyed organizing those. Uh, I, I think that moment has passed. I, I hate to say it. I think I'm going to sell those. It's, uh, I don't know. It's uh,
1: Well, I, 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 it's a progression of any collector to move into different things, and I think um, – cool. You know, getting back to what you said, I'm still not technically unpacked. I, I still have two buckets. I, I'm, I still want to, <laughs> I got to pick out another bookcase or whatever. But at the same time, I continue to go through what I have. And, you know, when I unpacked everything, I was just so pleased to see some of the stuff I forgot about. Yeah. And then I have to make a determination of what I really want to keep and what I don't want to keep since, you know, I, I'm not going to pass this down to anybody in the family because nobody wants it. So at some point, I you know, I, I know I have to start getting rid of stuff. And I did get rid of a lot of stuff when I moved, believe it or not, but that was more inventory than anything else. Uh, so this will be interesting to see, you know, what I continue to go through and what I can offer for sale and or trade type of thing. Um, and I I tell everybody kiddingly, the last thing that will ever go on me is my run of football cards from 48 to tw- 2015. But that The Oops. set of binders that I look at in this man cave is, or, or I call it man loft since I'm upstairs, is the last thing that's going to go of my collection because that's, that's still my baby. That's still the thing I, I get the greatest enjoyment looking at. And if I had to get rid of everything, I would keep that as the last stuff. You know what I mean? So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how it plays out. But I do I do understand where you're coming from Especially if you got stuff in three different locations and you don't, you know, you don't, you can't access things. And and I, I think that's the one thing I had a lot of difficulty when I was moving. My collection was pretty much packed up in storage for almost six months, so oh, it, was, it was quite a while. Yeah, you know, and, while your house is being Yeah. So when I when everything came into the house, you know, after we got the main stuff done, I started working on on unpacking my stuff and. It was nice it was it was very, very nice. And the first thing I did uh was unpack the runs, all the binders, make sure they were okay and I, yeah. didn't, I really didn't have any damage to anything because I really packaged them well. And then started uh un- and then second thing I unpacked all my packer stuff. So, um pretty interesting what you go through, especially with a move and or if you're gonna downsize or anything like that. Yep. So when you're in the your I definitely saw the
0: It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> de- uh, we did reclaim quite a bit. Our, our, our house was like built 1907. So we had a lot of old ductwork in the basement that had been softened around. So there were spots in the basement where it's, you know, like, you know, six foot four. But normally the basement's about, you know, eight, eight and a half feet tall. So we did take yeah. this opportunity to you know, get rid of that ductwork, put in a furnace on our third floor. And then uh, just basically, I call it reclaiming the basement. And then uh, Stacy allowed me to kind of man-tape it. So it's, uh, so I've got, uh, you know, a tall ceilings, TV down there, a couch area. And there's a spot where we had to soften a wall out uh, to hide some plumbing lines. And it created a nice little picture alcove. And I'm like, I point to the, you know, the guy doing the restoration. Like this, that would be a perfect spot for a framed Steve Largent jersey with a light on it. And uh, everybody, goes, like, Oh yes, perfect. <laughs> so, I have this little alcove that's about uh, ten inches deep, perfect frame size. That will be my uh, my illuminated large jersey, uh, you know, spot. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. It is fun.
1: That sounds great. That that sounds perfect for you. Yep, I'm yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Oh, well.
0: you know it, it, it's okay. I mean, it, as I mentioned, everybody was safe on fire. It's, it's a it's a good chance to just kind of repack, you know,
1: and go right. through.
0: But right. I do feel a little weird. How many times I feel like I've you know quote unquote reinvented my collection from you know wax and you know runs and Hall of Fame rookie cards to uh, you know, to you know, getting rid of my wax and now back to my wax. Uh, you know, there's been a couple times where I've been like, oh man, a whole, maybe I should go back to Hall of Fame rookie, but it, it's a lot different now. You know, the 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 price is yeah. a lot higher. Yeah. I couldn't afford a Nagurski again. You know.
1: Um, yeah. Well, I think I think I what, you, what you have focus on. You, you have really, to me, basically four separate collections. You got your. Um your <laughs> pack collection, you got your own sheet collection, you got your Largent collection, and you got your uh, right. your um you know, your your pre your pre war collection, you know, between Grange Nag and you know, a few other yeah. players. So you got you got a lot of nice stuff. I mean, you know, and 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 they're all historically significant in my opinion. So it's it's a nice thing. I and mean, you know, it's interesting when I compare you know, people say and again, I go back to my run because I spent the most time on it. I had the most fun with it, and I still like looking at it, type of thing. And I know I got a lot of cards I need to upgrade, but I'm not overly concerned whether I upgrade them or not. You know, if they come, if I come upon them, uh, I'll upgrade, and if, if not, it's no big deal with me. You know. So, uh, and I got a lot of Packer stuff. I also have a lot of, you know, uh, you talk about frame stuff. This, yeah. Um, my man loft now I got a lot of stuff on the wall I got a lot of my autograph packer stuff um, hanging on the wall now so it's nice yeah. to view it again and see it you know I got a lot of 8 by 10s I got a lot of stuff geared uh, drew and was signed by for example Kramer Forrest Gregg Mark Fleming um, I got I got several Kramer uh, autographs I got Bob Sieransky several autographs from him so it's nice to see it again. So now I can I can actually look at my stuff. That's the nice thing about it. But uh, I, I I do I do sympathize with you while you're waiting to get your your house finished. It can be very maddening. Yeah, it's what you went through, like you mentioned.
0: But it'll be put back together. It'll be put back. I I, I used to just out of my fear of fire from the industry I'm in. I, I used to keep everything in a safe and just more and more, everything is out in display. I mean, you've, you've seen the wax pack display case that I bought, you know, that I display yeah. everything. I'm just, I'm really enjoying seeing everything and, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's the fun of, of, of the hobby. I enjoy seeing all my, my my binders. I'm looking at them right now, nice and orderly for a change, in yeah. a nice bookshelf. And all my photos uh, at another wall. And I got a bunch of Packer uh, pennants on another wall, um, and I got uh, a couple of gridiron grates framed up and and looking at them. So uh, you know it's nice. And so oh. I got a nice bookcase. So I got all my all my books out. So it's a, it's a good thing. It's it's a nice thing. Our to a, a two minute warning great. again. If if you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Grates, what are you waiting for? Check out our website, Magazine dot com. Also, I, I just want to uh, mention if you are looking for back issues, especially some of the early issues, we're pretty much out of, of several of them. So please contact me first uh, via the website. There's a there's a uh, special area you can contact me, and I'll let you know if we have any left. But I know several of the the real early issues that we published, uh, I am completely out of them at this time. Joe, handing off to you. What'd you pick up on tonight's show? Well you just said something.
0: You said you had a couple of gridiron grates framed on your wall. All right. You're the publisher of gridiron grates. You have access to every single one. Which gridiron
1: grates do you have hanging on your wall? Which what what are your favorites? Uh I have two only I have two hanging up. The first issue we ever did was number twenty three. And I have our seventy fifth anniversary seventy uh, fifth copy issue. Those are the two I have hanging up there, right next to my um, Green Bay Packers shareholder certificate that is framed. And um, cool. I I I I kind of shocked. We're, we just published eighty-one. Right. So as of uh, issue, next issue will be sixty issues that we publish. That, that's uh, a pretty good haul in a fourteen-year period. So damn uh, yeah, right. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. We're pretty much out of time. Uh, We'll be back at some point, hopefully next week with another show. Joe, have a great vacation, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Take care. Thanks for listening.